In week one, Pastor Todd gave us the background of the book of the uh, of Galatians uh, and, and the Apostle Paul's purpose for writing the book of Galatians. He also showed us how spiritual freedom is found in embracing God's grace. And then week two, Pastor Todd showed us how to maintain that freedom. He first showed us how spiritual freedom was found, and week two was how to maintain it. And then last week, Pastor Todd talked about the main ingredient, the main ingredient, which is living by faith. And in Galatians 3, we see Paul talks about living by faith. So I want to encourage you, uh, 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 this is a series, a study through the book of Galatians. And so if you missed any of these, the last three weeks, you can go to our app. If you don't have our app, download it, Family Life Church Lafayette, download our app. You can go on our website, our podcast, and I encourage you to catch up on on any one of these messages. Today, we're going to look at what I believe is the most important truth that holds all of these messages together, and that's the idea of relationship. Let's, Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this day again. Father, we thank you that you are our perfect and and, and great Father, our Heavenly Father. Lord, bless this time uh, today as we get into your word. I pray that we would, Lord God, be encouraged, we'd be equipped and strengthened, and and we would understand the desire that you have for us to be in a relationship with you, Lord. Help me as I speak today. uh, We, Lord God, bind up any distraction, any hindrances uh, that would cause your word from going forth, because we know your word does go out and produces exactly what you set it forth to do. Let it produce fruit in our lives. Give us the grace to do it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's all about relationship. Paul defines relationship uh, in these scriptures as sonship. Listen, everything we're going to talk about in Galatians, if you leave this part out, nothing else works. Let me say that again. If you leave this part out, nothing else works. Let me make this statement. And my wife and I were talking about this this morning. God never intended to be your religion, he always wanted relationship. Now, for some people I know, and I understand, I grew up in a different denomination, and, when, and a lot of times it's we get that confused, religion and relationship. God never intended for him to be your religion. He always wanted to be in a relationship with you. So the Apostle Paul uses the term sons or sonship, and we're going to look at this. I usually read out of the New Living Translation, which I will a little bit, but but when I read the scripture, the, the actual uh, original language in the Greek is sons or sonship. So as we read that, ladies, I don't want you to get offended, okay? When he says sons, he means sons and daughters are his children, but I, but I have a verse to prove it. So look at Galatians 3.26. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You see that? You're all sons. He's using sonship to, to set up and to talk about the relationship God wants to have with us. So you see, he's not talking about males. It's the idea of being in relationship with his children. Now, ladies, as, as guys, we're considered the bride of Christ. So here's a trade-off right there, okay? We got to be considered a bride. Y'all can be considered sons too, all right? All right? But think about it, both of that, he's not, when, when Jesus calls the church the bride of Christ, he, he's not talking about just females, what is he doing? Jesus uses bride and groom as an analogy to show the deepest form of a relationship he wants to have with us. Y'all see that? So now let's look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, if you're there, Galatians 4, verses 4 through 6, it says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent his spirit, 
the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who is called Abba Father, who called the spirit who calls out, I'm sorry, Abba Father. Now, you, you must understand that this concept of God being a father was foreign to the Galatians at this time. When Paul's writing this letter to the Galatians, this, this concept of, of what some of us or a lot of us know as God being a father was foreign. God was a distant God. He was in heaven and he would strike you down in a second. They understood. They had the, they had the Torah and the, and the, the Psalms and the prophets. And they understood that if, man, you, you've read some of those stories. If you would just touch the Ark of the Covenant, man, God would strike you down, right? So whenever Paul's talking about that, we, we have got the spirit inside of us, which the spirit of God can live inside of us. The Holy Spirit can live inside of us. And when we receive this salvation in Holy Spirit, we can cry out, Abba, Father. So this was a foreign concept. But, you know, I believe that some people, even today sitting in here, it's still a foreign concept to refer to or think about God as a father. So look at verse 7. He says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Now he's really, he's honing down, God's child. Again, all of his children, sons and daughters. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I want to make sure you know the difference between operating out of a slave relationship and out of a son relationship. So this morning, I'm going to give you a few comparisons. The difference between a slave and a son, because I believe some of us were brought up and you might have a mentality. You don't have a, a, a like that. I'm a child of God, a, a son or daughter of God. Some of you, you may, but some of you, you may not. So let's look at the difference between slaves and sons. Number one, a slave has a master. The son has a father. A slave has a master, a son has a father. And if you think of God as, as, as a master, which he is, we, and that's part of it. When we refer to God as, as Lord, King, Master, I refer to that, that's part of it. But if that's the only way you see them, a master is always demanding something from you and is usually mad at you. When we think about a slave in, 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 in natural terms, the master is always demanding more and he's sometimes mad at you. If you see God this way, you will go to him in a cowering posture, hoping that he's not mad at you and maybe hoping that he's not going to beat you up, so to speak, or that he's, you're hoping that he's, he, you're not going to do something wrong so he can put another, you know, X by your name or a check by your name, right? You know, there's some people today that still have this mentality. You know, I heard about a church in Mexico that have this kind of mentality about God and, and in Mexico, the whole village that goes to the church, they actually kneel down and walk on their knees all the way to church. There's blood trails from every direction leading to the church because when you walk on your knees on the ground for a certain amount of time, there's no more skin left, right? Because there's this, this I, I got to make sure that I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming before God because he's all powerful, almighty. He might, I don't want to do anything to make him mad or upset. How many of y'all know that's not the way God wants us to approach him? You know, we don't, we don't have to, aren't you glad you didn't have to walk on your knees down Ambassador and Dulles and up the road here, right? So that's the slave mentality, has a master. The son has a father. A father is more of a, you know, jump in your lap. If you have children, jump in your lap and playing and joking and tickling, right? You know, if you have children, that's more of the, 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 the mindset of, of a child. A child wants to come and, and, and play on you and, and you as a father want to do the same thing. Think about this. The Bible shows that Jesus reflected this heart of the Father while he was on earth. The Bible says that the disciples were had to peel children off of Jesus. 
Y'all remember that? There were stories where they had to, they were trying to shoo the children away because, you know what, children always wanted to be around children. Uh, children always want to be around Jesus. You know what kind of person you have to be to be a kid magnet? Those of us that are parents, right? Children could discern when something's off on an adult, right? If there's a little something off on an adult, a little bit of creepiness going on, a child ain't going nowhere near you, right? Think about that. And just children, children want to have fun. You know, you know, sometimes Hollywood, you know, makes this, this picture of Jesus being this serious, you know, kind of doing this curveball thing with his hand, like, you know, and walking around. Man, that's, that's not Jesus. I don't believe, you know, Jesus had the heart of the father. And that's why children came in. What did he say? Let the little children come to me. That's the heart of a father. A heart of a father wants the children near him. He, he, you know, a master is not going to do that, right? See, the, the, the disciples had this, oh, man, shoot, they, they're bothering Jesus. Jesus is like, they're not bothering me. Let them come to me. I want them to get in my life. If Jesus, you know, they had candy back there, Jesus probably would have had candy in his robe and everything, handed out, you know, suckers and bubble gum and whatnot, you know. Listen, y'all, it's vitally important that we know the difference. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves that you would live in fear again. Let me just stop and say, you can tell you're a slave if you're afraid of God. And I don't mean a healthy fear like a reverence. This is good. We should have a reverence for God, but like an afraid, like I'm scared that, that God's going to, you know, every time I do something wrong, is going to get after me. Rather, the spirit you received, remember we just talked about that, brought you brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, a lot of y'all know, but the, the Abba in, in Aramaic terms was the term that they would use for daddy. That was the term or something similar to like daddy or papa. It's the most enduring way to talk to your dad. You know, like different kids, my kids, some of my kids call me dad. Sometimes they call me daddy. There's a young man here in the church, one of our friends. I love it. He's younger than me, and his kids call him papa. I love that. Papa, papa. That, that's the, that's the, the, the term. When he says Abba, father, it's not this formal, like, I have to come in. No, it's daddy. He's saying when, we, when, when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, we now, we have this relationship with God, the father, where we can say daddy. And I know for some of us, it might be hard to, you know, you can go in your prayer, uh, go in your time of prayer and address God as daddy. Did you know that? That's what the Bible's saying here. Listen, you can always tell what kind of relationship you have by what you call a person. Think about that. You can always tell what kind of relationship you have by, by, by what you call a person, how you address them. So let me ask this question. When you pray, what term do you use to address God? And again, there's nothing wrong. I, I say Lord, I say Master, I say Savior, I say my King, I say all those things. And those are all true, and we need to do that as well. But do you ever say Father? Do you ever say Daddy or Papa or think of him as, as your Heavenly Father that you can climb in his lap or he's wrapping his arms around you? The Bible says use the word Daddy. Listen, the way you call determines your relationship. And again, as I was just thinking about Randy, as we read both those scriptures that talked about adoption, I know Randy and his wife, he didn't say that, but they, adopt, they adopted two boys. And we know we have others in here that have, have adopted children. I mean, that's, there's no more a heart of a father than adoption, where you're willing to take someone else's child and, and, and go through all the paperwork. We have friends that are trying to adopt right now and, and go through all the paperwork and, and the money it costs and all of that and take that child into your own and, and, and make him your own or her your own. 
And that's what the Lord did for us. He adopted us into his family. So that's the difference. Number one, the slave has a master, the son has a father. Number two, the slave is an employee, the son is an heir. The slave is an employee, the son is an heir. Have you ever been in a restaurant where you, you can tell who's an employee and who owns the restaurant? You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at a friend of mine's, uh, uh, preaching at a friend of mine's church on Sunday morning. And um, uh, later on, it's, it's, it's a little town next to uh, Kinder, Louisiana. And we went up to Kinder after service and went have uh, lunch. And as we went sit down, some people greeted us and whatnot, but we went sit down and there was this lady bouncing around and she came and she wiped our tables and she was asking if we needed anything to drink and she was very kind, great customer service. And a little bit later, Brother Glenn reached out, looked over at me and said, yeah, she's the owner. You can always tell who's the owner, right? And who's just an employee. You see, if you see yourself as an employee of God and you're just working for God, you'll have the wrong heart and attitudes towards doing everything you do. You might do it, but you not have the right heart, right? You've seen employees, you get there and they're working, but they don't, you know, you can, y'all following me? You can tell. I, I went into a place the other day, I'm not going to say where I was at, and I asked where something was at, and one employee said, ah, yeah, it's, it's, it's somewhere over here. I said, okay, what aisle? Well, I'm not sure. Okay, see another employee. Hey, where's, where's you know, this at? Um, it's somewhere over here. It's in the sporting goods section. Okay, which aisle? I'm not sure. I bet you none of those had stock in this uh, company. They were all employees, right? You can tell. So listen, we, we, we just today, we're launching our serve day for next month. And some of you maybe have come already, and, and we hope you sign up and be a part of it. You can come to serve day and whatnot, but you know what? If you're looking at God as, as just being a slave or an employee, you can come and do a great work, but your heart and your attitude is not right. Because you're looking at it from a, a wrong relationship. Listen, the son is an heir. God doesn't want us to work for him. He wants us to work with him. Hey, listen, we're owners of the family business, so to speak. We're co-owners. The Bible says we're co-laborers with Christ. So when we do something like a serve, there are all these people today that are these gentlemen that are standing along the walls, serving in the sound booth, lobby holes, everybody that's serving around campus. Listen, we're, we're not, to me presenting the word today, I'm not doing this for God, I'm doing this with God. Every time I come up here, I ask the Lord to help me. Lord, ain't no way I can't do this on my own, nor do I want to. Lord, I need your help. We're co-laborers with God. Why? Because you know what? I'm part of the family business. I'm not talking about family life church, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And that's the way we need to look at it, that we're not employees, we're heirs. Listen, look what it says, Romans 8, 17. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Isn't that amazing? Heirs with God, of God and co-heirs with Christ. So you know what that means? When you give your life to Christ, you become a part of everything that God has, just as Jesus would have it. Now, I know, again, this is, to some of y'all, you might think, man, I can't wrap my brain around this. Anything that the Lord has given to Jesus, if you're in Christ, he has given it to you as well. That's what that scripture says. We're co-heirs with Christ. Now, remember, everything the Lord wants to bless us, everything, wants, you know, the, the, the Pastor Todd talked about the blessing of Abraham uh, last week. And listen, God wants to bless us with so much. But obviously, you know, again, we're part of the family business, so to speak. So he don't want to just bless us so we can keep it, so we can go out and continue to bless others. Whether it be with the gospel, whether it be serving them on a Saturday, cutting grass, painting, doing whatever we're doing, you know, or, or even material things. God wants to bless you. He wants you to have a great life and have fun, but he also wants you to turn around and bless others, right? 
Paul thought it was so important to explain the difference between a slave and a son that he dedicated all of Galatians chapter 4 to describe it. If you read through this chapter that we're in today, all of Galatians chapter 4, all of it is dedicated. He talks about even later on, I'm not going to get into that today, about the, the, how he likens it to, to Isaac and Ishmael in the Old Testament. He dedicated all of chapter 4 to make sure the Galatians and we understood the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. And thirdly, the slave is driven by duty, the son is driven by devotion. The slave is driven by duty, the son is driven by devotion. So what does this mean? This means you, you, when you read your Bible, you, you, you read it because you feel like you have to, if you're doing it by, according to, like, duty. When you pray, do you pray because you feel like you have to? Even when you serve, are you, you serving out of obligation because we're encouraging you to? Or are you serving out of delight? Listen, I, I, you know, one of our, our brothers in the church, I know he don't want me to do this, but uh, Neil Picard, you know, that, that's brother, he, he, he's the one that cooked for the men's supper Tuesday night. And, and I just thanked him and whatnot. And he said, man, he said, don't stop calling me. Like he, he, he's, he's re- ready and willing to serve and whatever. And listen, it's, it's everything Neil does, he loves it because it, it's, it's background. I see Freddie there. All these guys, they don't want to be on the stage. They don't want to have the lights on them. They want to cook. They want to set up. And, and it's their delight. I'm telling you, if I didn't ask him, I think he would be mad at me. Right? Because he loves doing it. Because why? He's doing it out of devotion. Because I believe these guys and a lot of y'all in here, they're not, they know they're not doing it for me or the church. They're doing it unto the Lord. They're doing it because they say, I love my father and I want to, I want to do this as part of, of, of doing it out of my devotion. But a son is driven by devotion. The son says this, I just love you so much. It gives me joy to do these things. I don't have to, Lord, I just love you and and I want to do these things. Probably the best story in all the Bible to show the difference between these two are found in Luke chapter 10. A lot of us are familiar with this story. You may not be, so I want to read these few verses. Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, are indeed only one. Listen to what it says. Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better. Listen, both these ladies loved Jesus and both had something they want to give him, but they were doing it out of two different spirits. One was doing it out of duty. Lord, tell my sister to come help me. I got all this work to do right now and this, that, and other. You know, she was, she wanted to bless Jesus, no doubt. She loved him. But she had this, almost like this mentality of, I, I have to do this. And Mary was just sitting there and saying, I, I just want to sit here and be at your feet. Mary chose what was better. Listen, you can make a choice to be in relationship with God. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. Today, if you have the wrong mindset of, of how God wants you to, ha- to, to walk with him or wants you to walk through this life, Paul in the book of Galatians makes it clear he wants you to be sons and daughters and not be driven out of, hey, I have to. I have to go to church today. I have to do this. No, I want to. I desire to do this. I love it. It says she chose it. And listen, it was better, way better, right? Who you think had more peace in that story, Martha or Mary? You think, and I love that the Bible doesn't record that Mary even responds to Martha. <laughs> She's like, don't even pay attention to it. She's like, 
Yeah, she's, my sister's going off there. I'm going to just sit here at Jesus' feet. I love, she didn't even respond. She's like, you know what? And it, and it was just cool is that, guess what? Jesus responded for her. Jesus responded for her. So listen, don't worry about what other people are doing. If you're in an intimate relationship and devotion with God, other people might say, man, you don't, you're not doing enough. You're not doing this for God. You, don't worry about that. You know what? The Lord will speak up for you, right? Bible says that wisdom is known in the end by its fruit. When you have a true, devoted, intimate relationship with God, it don't matter what anybody thinks or they might think you're not doing enough or doing the wrong things, but eventually it's going to show up in your life. And the Lord is the one that's going to point it out. Amen? So how do you live in relationship with God as your father? And that's the message, the name of the message today, living in a relationship with God the Father. And I just think it's so cool. We didn't plan it this way. Going through, I didn't even know that I was preaching today until Monday. It's so cool that, that this message fell on Father's Day. Praise God. It's awesome how that, that worked out. So how do you live in a relationship with God as your father? Galatians 4, 8, 9 says this. Before you Gentiles knew God, and remember Pastor Todd explained last week that a Gentile was anybody that wasn't a Jewish person, you were slaves to so-called gods that did not exist. So he makes it clear. We just compared the son and the slave. He said before you knew God, you were a slave. You were a slave to gods that didn't exist, or we were maybe slaves to ourselves, or whatever the case may be. And then Pastor Kelly talked about uh, idols on Wednesday. He talked about, you know, the, about the different, he was going, he's doing a miniseries, by the way, on, on Wednesday night, if you want to come out on Wednesday on uh, the Ten Commandments. And he talked about idols. Some people are slaves to, to idols, and they're really guys that don't even exist. But listen to what he says. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? So what do you have to do to live in a relationship with God? You have to know God. See, and this goes to show, again, this is, this is the first part of our vision, which we believe is God's vision. And here it is again in Galatians. To know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. But it all starts with knowing God. You see, and again, this is not knowing God with head knowledge. And I think that's where some people get it wrong. They know about God. They've heard about God. They even read about God in the Bible. But they don't know him intimately, so they're serving him with a slave-slash-employee mentality out of duty and not out of devotion. So he wants us to truly know him. That word know, again, is an intimate relationship with the Lord. So I want to give you three steps before we leave today to help you to know God in a personal way. Number one, and I've hit on this already, but you must see God as a father. You must see God as a father. So let me ask you this question. When you come to God... What does he look like to you? I've already asked, when you come to God, how do you address him? But when you come to God, what does he look like to you? Now, and I'm not saying like, what's his physical appearance, but how do you see God? In your spirit, when you approach him, how do you see him? Do you see him as a dictator? Do you see him as a tyrant? Do you see him as, as someone that, that, again, you know, is, is, is looking for your every mistake? Or do you see God as a father? You have to be able to see God as a father to truly know him the way the apostle Paul is describing here in Galatians. Because again, your view of God will determine your relationship with him. Your view of God will determine your relationship with him. I was just reminded, I remember years ago, uh, matter of fact, Pastor Joe Stocksdale from, from Bethany was, was here with us a couple years ago. And when I was a youth pastor, we'd go to their conferences and man, it, it, 
they had the biggest youth ministry in the country at the time. We go to these 220 conferences, and Joe, if you remember, he's a very tall guy. He has a deep voice, very powerful man of God, great anointing, healing anointing, and he's very blunt when he preaches. And we, you know, and and when I would see him around the church, I never wanted to approach him. He didn't seem approachable to me. But then one time I got personally invited. He actually, through one of his leaders, personally invited me to go up to a, a smaller conference, a round table up in St. Louis, Missouri. So I went, and, and at that it was a smaller setting. So during that, that seminar, I got to meet him. And I went up to him, and I met him, and started talking to him. And he was a very nice guy, very welcoming guy. I always thought that he was unapproachable. When I got to know him, I walked up to him, introduced myself, and I even told him that. I said, man, you know, I never, I didn't think, you know, that I could really come talk to you, whatever. He's like, oh, man, why would you think that? And he just really welcomed me, loved on me. He encouraged me. I actually shared a scripture in a room full of youth pastors that have been youth pastors for years, senior pastors, and he sat at my table, was encouraging me. That was a, a good word. But, you know, it's how I saw him that kept me from starting that relationship with him. How you see someone is going to determine your relationship with him. What you think he's like will determine how you relate to him. The way I thought Joe was was different. And so I never got, I mean, it took me years before I made a connection with him. So what does God look like to you? Matthew 7, 9 through 11, Jesus explained the way we should see God. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? See, again, like Paul in Galatians back then in Matthew or in this time where Jesus was walking the earth, Jesus was revolutionizing people's mindsets about who God is. He isn't this far off God in heaven, again, waiting to destroy us. He's a father that wants to give you good things. Let me say it again. He's a father who wants to give you good things. See, Jesus had to do this back in the Gospels when he was walking the earth. Paul had to do this to the Galatians and, and many other churches. And I, I, I truly believe, again, I, I was meant to preach this message. I, I was assigned to preach this message this morning to try to help some, because I believe there's still some in this church today that it's hard for you to see God this way. And this is why. The problem is that some of you have had bad earthly fathers. And so this infects and pollutes your current view of God the Father. And that's why I prayed that. Some, some of you sitting in here today, you, you, either your dad was absent, was never there, or your dad was in the house, but he was still absent, if you know what I mean. Or your dad was very abusive. In, in, in ways that I, I can't even imagine. And that has, has, has hurt your relationship or your view of God, let me say, because of how your earthly dad treated you. See, the devil's plan to come between you and your dad wasn't just to come between you and your dad. He knew that if he could do that, you would never be able to relate to God in the right way. So ultimately, that's what's going on. I, I know it, it, on Father's Day, this day might be hard for you because of that. You know, because of how, how you see your dad. But the Lord wants to come in and bring healing and bring restoration. You know, you might have some bitterness, some unforgiveness toward your dad. And you have maybe, you know, taken everything out on your dad, always looked at him. But ultimately, it was the enemy's plan to keep you from God the Father and relating to God in the right way. That's why I prayed that earlier. And as we close in a few minutes, I want to pray it again. I pray that you leave here today and that you have a changed view of who the Lord is. He wants to change your view by healing your wounds from your earthly father.
because it will affect you the rest of your life. See, for me, when I gave my life to Christ, it was easy for me to relate to God as a father because that's what I needed at the time. A lot of y'all know that I lost my dad suddenly when I was 19 years old. And it wasn't until five years later that I actually came down here and gave my life to the Lord and and radically got saved and changed. But that's what I was longing for. That's what I was desiring because my dad had been missing in my life for five years. And I I needed a father. I wanted. And so when when I got saved and I started reading the Bible and when I read Psalm 685 and it says this, father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. That, that, That radically changed my life right there. Put that on the screen, Doug, if you don't mind. Psalm 685, Father to the fatherless. So some of you here today, so for me it was easy. I, I latched a hold of that. And when me and Pastor Ty were texting this morning, he was telling me Happy Father's Day and, and whatnot. And I thanked him. I said, thank you for being a part of, of fulfilling God's promises to me in my life. Because you know what? God will use other men to father you. If you don't have a dad or maybe you lost your dad at an early age. And some of you know that. Some of you could probably relate with me and say, you know what? He'll, he'll father you by his spirit through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. He'll father you through his word, but he also fathers you through other men. I'm looking at Brother Francis Bork here. He's another father figure in my life. You know what? I, I never knew my grandfathers. Both my grandfathers died before I was born. But Brother Francis, also Brother Francis Martin, I looked at these two men and I still do as grandfathers I never had. You see how faithful God is to his promises? And he'll do the same for you. So you you may be hurting today. Maybe you had an, an absentee father, never knew your dad. He wants to be your father. He wants to adopt you in if you haven't accepted it yet. I can tell you from my personal experience, he's true to his promise. So you have to see God as a father. Number two, come to God through relationship, not rules. Not rules. John 5, 39 through 40, Jesus said this. Listen, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying the goal wasn't to read the Bible. The goal was to find me. The goal wasn't just to pray for an hour. The goal was to be with me. The goal wasn't just to serve. The goal was to serve alongside me. So, so if, if, if you're even doing these things, if you're having daily devotion to the Lord and you're reading your Bible and you're, you study the Bible and man, you, you know the Greek and the Hebrew and you can, you can say it all and all that. Are, do you see that spending time with Jesus when you do it? That's, that's where everything that we do has to start from. We're spending time. With Jesus, he said, "You study the scriptures diligently." They, they, they were studying, man. They they knew the outs and ends of the law and all this kind of stuff. They knew what was going on. But he said, "Listen, you missed me in the process." Isn't that amazing that we could we could come to church, we could pray, we could read our Bibles and do all that, and still miss the heart of God, which is to have this connection, this relationship with the Lord. He said, "You missed the relationship side of the whole thing." You know, all parents have rules, but isn't it true that our kids can win our favor by the way they approach us, right? Isn't that right? We all have rules, but the way, and look, I have all four of my children sitting sitting on the front row, and I thought about this. We have rules in our house, obviously. We're raising up our children, and, and our children know that if, I'm, if we're talking, or if we're talking to somebody, even at church, that they can't just come and interrupt us and start talking over us, right? You have that same rule in your house? But you might have seen this. Any one of my children can come up to me while we're talking if they just want to come give me a hug or a kiss, and I'm not going to stop them. 
Some of you maybe have experienced that. You ever been talking to me and you see my little girls run, walk up to me and they give me a hug and a kiss? Listen, if they're just coming to interrupt me and say, hey, dad, I need five dollars to go do this. I'll say, hey, I'm talking right now. Wait a minute. But I'll never stop one of my girls or my son from coming. Just say, dad, I love you and give me a hug and moving on. So I'm sorry if that offends you. I'm never going to stop them from doing that. Why? Because they're my children. They just want to come give me some love. How much more our heavenly father? He said it that that, you know what? I, I'm an earthly father. I mess up. Trust me, ask my children. They can tell you. I mess up a lot. But you know what? I love my kids. And when my kids want to approach me and just come to me with signs of affection, I'll never stop them. Listen, not only will the Lord never stop you, he's longing for you to do this. He's long, it's, it's not that we have to or that he's going to be mad at us if we don't come to him in prayer and, and, and say Bible reading or worship. But he wants us to do that. He's longing for us to do that. So approach God. Come to God. Through relationship, not rules. And the third and final thing, you must give God your whole heart. You must give all to him. You must give him your whole heart. You must go all in. It's number three, give God your whole heart. You must go all in. Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14 says this. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. So what this verse is saying is that if you seek God with only part of your heart, Guess what? You're never going to find him. Isn't that true? If you search, he said, if you search for me with your whole heart, you will find me. What does that mean? The opposite is true. If you search for God half-heartedly, you're not going to find him. He wants to be in a relationship with you, but he wants you to be all in. What if I approached my wife before we got married and, and proposed and said, hey, will you marry me? I mean, you know, I'll be there most of the time. I'll give you most of my attention, you know. But still, I, I want to I, I marry you, but, you know, I can't give you my whole life, you know, just kind of part of it. What do you think Cassie's response would have been to me? I would still be a single man right now, right? <laughs> we must approach God and, and say and give him our whole heart. Say, I give you my all. I give you my everything. Because this is the deal. If you just give God part of your heart, and I've heard this happen, this has happened. People don't give their all, and then they say this Christianity thing doesn't work. Like I said, you remember a few weeks ago about the, 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 the vacuum salesman that he wanted that, that, that guarantee, but he never made a purchase. He never invested anything. It's the same thing. We got to give God our all. And he says, if we search him with our whole heart and give him our whole heart, then guess what? One, we're going to see him as a father and we're going to walk through this life totally satisfied. You can have this experience of being in a relationship with God, the father, if you go all in. Listen, if you remember anything today before you leave, is that relationship changes everything. I don't know what your view of God has been. I don't know what your faith walk has been up until this point. But if it hasn't been based on a relationship with God, if you make a decision today, relationship will change everything. You'll see the Bible differently. You'll see coming to church differently. You'll see worship and prayer differently. And I believe you walk outside, you're going to see the trees in the sky differently. Me and Pastor Kelly were talking about this the other day. I, I, I love when I worship or pray. I love having the windows open when I'm in my truck. I like, I like looking to the sky just because sometimes it just reminds me of God's majesty and, and who he is. You ever see the, the, isn't it awesome when you see the, the sun coming through the clouds and there's like rays of sunshine coming through the clouds? That reminds me of God's glory. I feel like, you know, it's God's glory shining down. And, and it just, I, I love that. It, it, I mean, there's moments when, you, when you're in a relationship with God, or you'll just be driving down the road, not even planning on Listen, I'll tell you, that morning for the ladies' breakfast, I was going to Chick-fil-A picking up biscuits. Now, that wasn't too spiritual, was it? 
But I was listening to a worship song, and when I left Chick-fil-A, I'm coming back, and I mean, all I had was biscuits on my mind. I'm going to be honest with you. Those biscuits were smelling good, and I hadn't eaten breakfast yet. But from Chick-fil-A on Ambassador here, I was listening to a worship song. God invaded my truck, and tears began to come down my face. And because in that moment, I'm connecting with my father through worship in an intimate relationship. The Lord was reminding me of how much he loves me. And I mean, just in that brief moment, he invaded my truck. And just as a heavenly father, just as of an earthly dad or of Pastor Tyler, Brother Francis gave me a big old hug this morning and squeezed me tight. In the spiritual, that's how I felt in my truck that day. That's the mindset or the, the posture that it's different when you're in a relationship. So as we close, do me a favor. Just close your eyes. And just where are you sitting right there? You can stay seated. And, and I want to ask you a few questions. Are you in a relationship with God the Father? Not do you come to church. Not that, that, that you read your Bible. And even all those things. That's part of it. But what, what is your heart posture towards the Lord? Are you in a relationship with him? Do you see him as a father? Do you see him as your father? Let's personalize it. To your heavenly father. Have you given him your whole heart and your whole life? Do you know for sure? Let me say this. Did you know this? Not everybody is a child of God. This is a misconception. As I've been talking about sonship and being a child of God, not everybody's a child of God. We're all God's creation. But I'm going to show you a few scriptures that show you that everybody is God's child. Galatians 3.26, I started with it, but it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Through our faith in Christ is how we become children. And then watch this. This is John 1, 12 and 13. It says, But all who believed in him and accepted him. Now listen to this. He gave the right to become children of God. If you have to become a child of God, that means you always wasn't one, right? Y'all see that? He gave the right to become children of God. So we have to accept Christ. Look what it goes on to say. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So this scripture makes it clear that you, to become a child of God, you must be born again. You must put your faith in Jesus Christ. So one more time, if you, if you don't mind, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around in this moment. If you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm in a relationship with God. First of all, I don't know if I've ever been born again. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard and that the wages of sin is death. That word death means an eternal death, an eternal separation. But the free gift of God is eternal life, which is spending life in eternity in heaven with God. That's the free gift through Christ Jesus. So, how do we put our faith in Christ? You got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He took your place. He paid our wages, so to speak, for our sin. He took your place. And it shows you God the Father's heart. John 3.16 said, For God, God the Father, loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to die in your place. That whoever would believe in him would not perish. Again, that means eternally but have everlasting life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure I'm even in a relationship with God. I don't know if I've ever been born again. I don't know if I die today, where would I spend eternity? If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. I see your hand, sir. Over here too. Anybody else? 
Say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm in a right relationship with God. Just let me see your hand. You may be coming to church for years and say, Brandon, I want to make sure that I'm in relationship with God. I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? See a few hands going up. I see you over here, sir. Come on, I want you to pray. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. We're going to all pray this prayer together for those of you that raise your hands and just pray with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Father God, thank you for sending your son to die in my place. I receive the salvation and the free gift of eternal life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Make me new today. Give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's, let's, let's give these a round of applause. God bless you, sir. God bless y'all over here. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Fill out that card. Just takes a few few minutes to drop it off in the info center on your way out. Now, before we leave, one more thing. Whatever head bowed again, just real quick. If you say, man, I, 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 I have some issues with my earthly father. He wasn't here. Or maybe he's here today. I never had a good relationship. I want to pray one more time. God's healing and blessing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Brandon, you know what? I need help. Nobody's looking around. But if you say, man, I, I, I need some help some healing in my life to see God as a heavenly father. I want to pray over you. Father, I pray for all of these. I know there's some in here today that are hurting for either having an absentee father or a father, Lord, that maybe abused them or didn't treat them right. Lord, I know you can bring healing. Lord, you said that you came to heal the brokenhearted. So, Lord, I pray that you would heal every single broken heart that is in here. Every single father wound, Lord, I pray that you would bring healing to that. Anybody that, that, that has a hard time but doesn't see you as God the Father, our Heavenly Father, change their minds, change their hearts to see you as, as you really are. Father, I pray your blessing to be upon every dad here, every father here. I pray, Lord God, that you do a great and mighty work in them. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, hey, God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Have a wonderful day. Hey, on your way out, remember, go check out the sweet table and support the, the, the teenagers that are going to Cuba. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.